Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, this is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Mon. Good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon. How's it going? Going great. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Good to hear. What yes. are you grateful for? Nothing. <laughs> no, what? Nothing at all. Nothing at all? No, I refuse to be grateful for anything. Why? Until you stopped calling me that name. I didn't call you anything. Yes, you did. I said Lyle. Yeah. This is borderline. It's borderline. It's borderline. Uh, anyway, I actually have lots of things I'm grateful for. Amen. So do I. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for there's rain in my rain gauge. Yes, with a bit of a dumper over the weekend, a couple of times. A bit of dry winter we're having, so a bit of rain every now and then is a good thing, and it keeps it warm overnight. I have to admit, I found the winters here in Newcastle to be really mild. Yes. Yeah, very mild indeed. A little bit regretful because I don't get that much opportunity to wear my lovely coats and my beautiful scarves. Yeah, you might get a few frost out in curry now that you're for the Yeah, yeah, now that I'm out in the... Yeah, it definitely is colder than where I was last winter, so that's for sure. A little bit closer to Newcastle I was last year. Anyway. Coming up in today's show, we have an interview with Burrand Neustraten bringing us Genesis Chapter to the first three chapters of Genesis yes. series that he's been doing with us, which yes. is um, just amazing. We also have uh, some uh, Incredible controversy good coming up in the oh, question of the day. We're oh, yes, about, yes, yes. about uh, Divorce and uh-huh, remarriage. Uh-huh. We also have some incredible good news. Someone who spent five months in hospital, very important person, who's finally getting to go home. So we get yeah, to that's share a, that story. That's yeah, a mind yeah. blower of a story. Yeah, a really great story. And uh, and also just a little heads up about Dry July coming our way. We need to all be preparing for that, inspiring uh, not only ourselves but other people that we know to, to do Dry July. I mean, obviously the best option would be Dry Life, but Dry July is, you know, Still a wonderful opportunity to do something really good. And some more stories about religious liberty, the lack thereof around the world. Yeah. Oh, that really had my blood boiling, that one. People that are, um, another story, people claiming religious liberty as an excuse to cover the abuse of children. Yeah. Crazy things happening in our world. Anyway, we knew all this is coming up because you are indeed listening to the delayed broadcast. And if you would like to jump across to the live show, it is very easy. Just go to faithfm.com.au, press play on our live stream, or you can download the TuneIn app, search for Faith FM Australia, add us to your favorites, listen to us through there. Or, of course, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And, uh, and just ask us about how to get the live show out to your area, broadcast out to your section. Absolutely. And of course, we enjoy your company every morning, so stay with us. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. You will enjoy all of this show. Oh 
That was the morning Yo! trumpet with uh, glo- from Glory Sound here this morning, and bringing lots, know? lots of lots of memories back for Shell and I. That was the cafeteria breakfast song, breakfast wake up song when we were in cha- when we were in college. That's so sweet. Wow, <laughs> I'm sure it was such a sweet song because it was the, the first time of the day that the two of you were able to lay eyes on <laughs> oh, come on, at mom. breakfast when you come out of your dorm <laughs> you don't need to make everybody can't wait up. to eat porridge and gaze at each other across, <laughs> his, across your buns and whatever else, your toast. <laughs> Rice and gravy was the kind <laughs> of like, the thing. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> your wheat bigs ruined them. <laughs> we, we had lots of, lots of Asians at our college until we had rice every meal. Are you serious? Yeah, we were Even just, for breakfast. We used to die for potatoes. Some <laughs> Europeans turned up and it was like, we had potatoes one morning. I was like, oh, bliss. To, uh, to be honest, I'd be like super stoked to have rice for breakfast every day. I'm not a huge cereal girl. As long yeah, as it's fried I, rice. I enjoyed it for two years, but then I ate so much rice that I got over it. Yeah. Whereas I don't think I could ever get over potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> half the world eats potatoes and half the world eats rice. Isn't that funny? At least we're uh-huh. getting our starches and our carbs. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Sorted. It's good food. Although I have to admit, choose, choosing between the two, I would choose potatoes. Oh, you'd go potatoes? Dude, I'm German. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Half of me is made out of potatoes. <laughs> 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 anyway, let me uh, further wake you up with our breakfast Bible quiz this morning. Uh, this is a what am I quiz, Lyle. And the first clue is this. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 12 straight to the answer, (laughs) tells of a day when the Lord will search Jerusalem with these and punish the complacent. So what does the Lord use to search Jerusalem in Zephaniah 1 verse 12? If you can tell me the answer, and you can do so by giving us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. If you can get the answer, I'm going to send you a great uh, book. It's a really cool book called 444 Surprising Quotes About the Bible. Lyle has the answer incorrect. I'm so Well don't go with the obvious one then. That's all I can say. Don't guess with the obvious one. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. Uh, if you can tell me the answer for Lyle does, I will throw in a second prize. I'll send you a really beautiful uh, Bible, hard copy I mean hardcover, um, blue cover, really nice Bible. So get one of those as well as the four hundred and forty four surprising quotes about the Bible if you can tell me the answer to that quiz. There you go. 1-800-324-843 is the answer. And what do we have this morning for Positively Different News, Mon? Okay, so I know this is a little ahead of schedule because we've only just entered June and I'm already talking about July. But the thing is, you know, I found that we've often done this thing on our show where we want to promote something, but we promote it like right at the last second or sometimes like a little bit too late. And so this is something I'm really passionate about this and I really want people to get behind it and I want people to prepare. If you prepare well, you will have better success. That's just a no-brainer. Um, so, of course, I'm talking about Dry July. Ah, uh, yes. So, those of you who don't know what Dry July is, uh, Dry July is a month where anyone who... I mean, obviously, I'd love us to do Dry Life. I've done Dry July for the last 47 years. <laughs> I've done... That's because I'm 47 years old and I have never drunk alcohol. In the month of July. I've done Dry January month. through to December for the last 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Dry July is a month where um, uh, people are encouraged to stop drinking. Uh, stop drinking alcohol for the month of July. So, you know, we obviously condone not to drink any alcohol. But if you do drink, uh, Dry July is an excellent month uh, to do it. And the incredible thing is, and this just blows my mind, the stats that come out of Dry July 
speak volumes to the detrimental effect of alcohol. The more people that are getting on board with Dry July, the more they're seeing a community result coming out of this one month. So let's start off with the obvious ones, health benefits. Uh, so um, if you want to do Dry July, go to dryjuly.com, D-R-Y-J-U-L-Y.com. You actually sign up. Oh, and before I forget, um, not only do you just sign up and do it, you actually can raise funds and all the funds go to um, helping um, cure cancer, basically, so cancer research. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not cancer research. They kind of have cured cancer. Well, you kind of cure cancer by not drinking alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what the money part, goes part, to. You know, what it, the money, it, it goes towards it. Look, veganism is a cure. We all know that. But um, it goes and towards dryness. people who already have cancer and need to pay their bills, basically. So providing services and, mm-hmm. and covering those expenses. So sorry, not cancer research, but providing, you know, sort of um, p- yep. patients with care. A good cause. It goes to a very good cause. Very good cause. Yeah. Very good cause. Um, I actually don't like donating to cancer research because I feel like the research has been done. We're looking for an excuse to keep eating the way we do, doing the lifestyles that we do. We're looking for a pill and I don't support that kind of stuff. I do support helping people who do have cancer. Hmm, anyway, enough. sorry, a bit controversial there, but I'll come back on track now. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll think up some arguments to debate you with. <laughs> sure. Okay, so the health benefits that are coming um, out of Dry July, the participants you know, are reporting these and they're being studied. So people are sleeping better, which is amazing. Uh, people have more energy, uh, which results in increased productivity. Of course, there's no hangovers in Dry July. That's a huge one. It's a big win-win. Uh, people are reporting that they have a clearer head. They're experiencing weight loss. Uh, they have healthier skin. And they have a sense of achievement, which is just like, why would you not do Dry July? Even if only those were the benefits, why would you not do Dry July? Um, of course, there are some ways that you can get prepared for dry July. So one of the, some of the things that you can do leading up to July when you actually like go cold turkey is um, in, in the month of June is to start drinking more water daily. Just increase your water intake. Um, uh, start eating well. Lots of vegetables and fruit uh, in particular is to start like building up your body to get ready for a bit of a change. Um, you can start getting into exercise, do a bit of motion, um, to also get your body geared up for, for a change. Stay away from sugar. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Because sugar cravings, the whole thing, just one big parcel. And, uh, and also you can start researching non-alcoholic alternative beverages. And there is just a sea of delicious Absolutely. drinks that you can be drinking instead. You know, and not just, you know, non-alcoholic cocktails and that kind of thing, like mocktails, but also like just smoothies and all kinds of things you can, just keep yourself. You can make you can make July a bit of a delight, and just have like a different, amazing concoction of a drink that you make every single day, just as a treat yourself instead of having the alcohol. Yeah, alcohol is a industrial product and should be used in industrial endeavors, not inside your human body. Yeah, yeah, it can be used in hospitals to disinfect stuff, and that's about it. Yeah, and fuel and uh huh, uh huh. All kinds of things. Anyway, so that's Dry July. We completely support this. Uh, if you are a heavy drinker or if you are dependent on alcohol, we definitely recommend that you speak with your GP before signing up to Dry July. But if those, if that is your category, we definitely recommend that you do do Dry July. Um, but yeah, give it, give a chat with your, do- have a chat with your doctor about it first. So go to the website. It's dryjuly.com. Sign up. Uh, tell us that you've signed up. We might even support you sticking in a little bit of. Uh, uh, fundraising there for you and uh, yeah, start helping people affected with cancer. So, are you going to do dry July? Well, yeah, as always, <laughs> me too. Dry year, 
I'm going to tell you something else really cool, Wild. This is this is so sweet. I was getting all teared up. I don't know if you heard about this, but the world's smallest baby was born recently. I did hear yeah. about this, but I did. I was looking for the details and never actually got to research the details. So she's, she was born size of an apple. Size of an apple. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How and, many weeks? Uh, 23 weeks and three days in gestation. Uh, but this is the good news. She's finally left the hospital as a healthy found five-pound infant. She's That's amazing. She's gotten to go home. Defied all That's the odds. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Went home with her family. They've taken her home. Um, so the hospital's been calling uh, her Sabi just to respect the family's privacy wishes. A uh, little miracle baby just born 23 weeks and three days. Uh, and the, the doctors concluded that her mum was um, actually suffering from severely high blood pressure. Um, and for those of you who aren't really aware, typical childbirth takes place at 40 weeks. So this is just past halfway. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, yeah, so the huge risk for both the baby and the mother had to be delivered uh, emergency C-section. This is in San Diego, California. And uh, the baby's parents were told she would most likely only survive an hour, mm. uh, which is just heartbreaking. But, you know, the one hour turned into two hours, which turned into a day, which turned into a week. Um, she it, just, just kept hanging in there. Yeah. So she, she was called a micro preemie. Um, she weighed only um, 8.6 ounces, which is 254 grams. It's like a bowl of cereal. And, um, like, well, about the size, yeah, whole, size of a small whole, apple. Yeah, yeah. It's a small apple. Small apple. Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh so yeah, she, she was officially the tiniest baby, um, that they had a, she was, she's world record baker. Um, so less than the previous baby, which was in 2015. She weighed seven grams less than that. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's lots of life, life threatening medical challenges. Survival rate, obviously, really low. Photos? They, yeah, they do. Here, look at that. Look. Oh, wow. Isn't that tiny? It does. It does look like. Oh, it sounds really gross to say, but it looks like something that's been half cooked. But yeah, it's not quite there. But anyway, she survived and she's gone home with her family, which is really, really amazing, really sweet. So keep little Sabi in your prayers. Moses was just a baby boy When his mama put him in a boat And the river took him home He met a pretty princess It wasn't enough Till I heard a voice from a burning bush Saying, tell old Pharaoh to let my people go free David was just a shepherd boy When the prophet said he would be king Even though he was the youngest son He heard about a giant Went to see the king Grabbed a bag of pedals and he sung his sling And the rock of ages brought the mighty giant to his knees Well, you may feel a bit insignificant When you're standing next to one of those men But there was nothing special about him Until they let the Holy Spirit in And with a mighty hand They took their stand While everybody else is making cheap talk 
It's not the size of the man that matters. All that matters is the size of the rock. Have you heard about the baby king Heard those herald angels sing He was the Father's only son He taught us about heaven We nailed him to the tree But in three days he was alive and free Because the heart of the rock Was mightier than the stone So the next time you feel insignificant When you're standing next to one of those men like there was nothing special about ya Just let the Holy Spirit in And with a mighty hand You'll take your stand While everybody else is making cheap talk It's not the size of the man that matters All that matters is the size of the rock Mighty Listen to me, brother, cause I'm talking to you. Jesus is the only one who carry you through. All that matters is the size of the rock. That was the Emmanuel Quartet, Size of the Rock, here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz. I'm actually going to switch clues two and three around, because I think three is harder than two, so let's do that. And um, I hope we'll keep Lyle confused a bit longer so we have the opportunity to win two prizes out there for a bit longer. What am I? The new Jerusalem will not need the sun or the moon because Jesus will be its blank. What is the blank? What is Jesus going to be in the new Jerusalem? Give me a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Tell me and win the prize. Lyle is still incorrect. Just as I predicted, he would get this one incorrect. Um, good thing I switched around. <laughs> Clues two and three. Ah, oh, he looks so angry with himself. Uh, text your answer zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Two prizes coming somebody's way very quickly. Anyway, in the state of California, they have just passed a bill that requires priests to report child abuse if they learn it about it while hearing the confession of a fellow priest. Oh, wait a second. So originally this bill was mandatory reporting for all priests right across the board, including the confessional. Uh Became a little bit too controversial. And so they restricted it to just confessions of other priests. So if a general person, a person from the general public confesses abusing a child, they uh, still don't have to legally report in the state of California or pretty much anywhere else in the world. Uh, They're the only church that is exempt from mandatory reporting. But now in the state of California, definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, They have at least required that if a priest confesses to this kind of sin, that they have to report it. But do priests go into confessional box and do their little confession? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that they confess to each other. Yeah, yeah, they have to confess to each other. That's that's how how it works. I still think it's disgraceful. So if if you're a priest and you want to do some sins, you just um, hook up with your fellow priest and confess and it's all good and done. It's like a a whole pass to do whatever it is you want. It it, uh, is a very, very difficult difficult and um, troubled situation, this whole issue of the confessional 
and mandatory reporting should be universal across all churches, no yeah. exceptions whatsoever yeah. at all. California is probably one of the first places to actually make a step in that direction. They need to make a few more steps. They need to take this further. The Catholic Church has uh, responded with obvious outrage and told all of their priests that if they do report um, according to law, that they'll be automatically excommunicated. That's their reaction? They will throw them into eternal hellfire. I don't understand. Any how priest every who Catholic obeys the, the Californian law that church. will be thrown into eternal hellfire. That's absolutely disgraceful. The Catholic, the Catholic Church needs to hang its head in shame. You know, it's 2019. Oh. Seriously? There is a thing called the Bible. Yeah. And the Bible says that we go to Jesus Christ with our confessions. We go to God with our confessions, not to a priest. But to punish, That's where we find grace. That's where we find forgiveness. But to punish someone for doing the right thing is just abuse. It is. The, these priests that are now, Here's an interesting thought. Let me run this one past you, though. Um, the Catholic Church is saying that this is a massive infringement on religious liberty. And of course, religious liberty is a subject that is incredibly close to my heart. Mm. Um, and so the question is, is this an infringement on religious liberty? Because that's their religious practice to confess to priests and for priests to never, ever break the seal of the confessional. I think they need to answer the question, is it a impingement on the freedom of the abused child? I think it's a very good question. That's the question they should be yes, answering. absolutely. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, we don't allow child sacrifice. No. And abusing children is pretty much the equivalent of child sacrifice. You're not going to start a religion that allows child sacrifice and claim, oh, religious liberty, religious liberty, you've got to protect my religious liberty. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, because this is a secular law dealing with secular issues, um, and uh, it 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 um, it should not be there. I don't understand. I just don't understand why the Catholic Church hasn't got the best interests of their congregation at heart, and just has. It would be and such doing a fantastic such massive opportunity. amounts of damage to them. They are yeah. bleeding members like crazy. This it, is a an amazing opportunity for Francis for to, to stand, stand up, up and, and say, "Do you know what? Show we're some gonna, leadership. Yeah, yeah, we're going to report every single one. We're going to weed them out. We're going to make this church a safe place. You know, anyone who reports will be will be hailed as a hero. Not not. And here's the thing: thrown into hell this fire. is this is not like other churches. This is a church that actually has the power to do this. Oh. You know, celibacy is something that came in what in the seven hundreds or something or other mm-hmm. years after Christ. This is is a church that claims the power to be able to make extra-biblical laws. And so if you can make those extra-biblical laws, then you have the power to rescind them. This is a church that claims to have uh, the power to speak um, in a way that is infallible. In other words, in in a way where it is impossible for it to sin. And so just exercise that right for a change. Yeah, that's, yeah. Speak ex cathedral or whatever it is that, uh, that, that, that gives that um, seal of infallibility and solve these problems that are creating such havoc in our world right now. I have to say, were I a Catholic, and this was how the Catholic Church was behaving, I have to admit, I would it's have just, it's, it's giving have all left. of Christianity such a bad name. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Um, Pew, the Pew uh, Research Center has pointed out that Christians are the most persecuted religious group in the world. Uh, 11 Christians an hour are executed for their religion. Really? Mm. 11 an hour? 11 an hour. Where is this happening? Now, of course, uh, around the world, many different places. Um, in um, a couple of weeks, this is going to be highlighted. Uh, where, where is it? June. June 14, I think. I've got the date written down here somewhere, but I can't see them right now. 
Um, they've got the Religious Freedom at the Crossroads Conference in Perth, Western Australia, the rise of anti-Christian sentiment in the West. Yes, June 14 to 15. Wait, wait, now, this wait. is a pretty... What is it? This is the Religious Freedom at the Crossroads Conference. So this is a bunch of lawyers getting together for a conference. The rise of anti-Christian sentiment in the West. So the- very, very prominent lawyers in Australia getting together in Western Australia to, to talk about the problem of religious liberty being eroded. So we've got a couple of religious liberty oh, okay. s- stories that are coming out here this morning. For a second I thought you meant they don't want religion around. Gotcha, gotcha. No, 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 no. They're talking about the erosion of religious mm-hmm. liberty, particularly in the context of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our pro- most prominent lawyers here in Australia. Um, Good on them. With the proceedings being published in the Western Australian um, Jurist Law Journal, which is an annual peer-reviewed journal. Uh, one of the speakers will be the former speaker of the Western Australian um, Parliament. Uh, the keynote speaker is Professor Emeritus William Wagner from the United States, um, from professor at uh, Western Michigan University, uh, a former federal judge, legal counsel to the U.S. Senate, assistant U.S. Ator- attorney in the Department of Justice, a United States diplomat, uh, has made legal submissions to the Swedish Supreme Court, the British Parliament, the United Nations. The list goes on and on and on. This guy's a serious heavy hitter. Can I just encourage any lawyers that might be listening to get on board with that and go sign up for this conference? Yeah, it sounds it sounds it sounds really yeah. good to me. Um, except that it has and any mention of it has been banned from Facebook. What? Which kind of proves the point of the conference, doesn't it? It's like if Facebook wanted to prove the point, they couldn't have done anything more effective. What is wrong with Facebook? Why would they let you talk about religious freedom? Because it's seen as uh, anything that upholds in our world today um, or anyone who upholds the sanctity the sanctity of human life, either the sanctity of human life or um, traditional marriage, um, is seen as a right-wing extremist. Facebook needs to come down. And therefore, down. dangerous on the same danger level as uh, you know, Middle Eastern terrorists. So they think that having a... So Middle Eastern terrorists get blocked and people talking about religious liberty in the context of Christianity get blocked. That's insane. (laughs) I've really heard it all. That is the world in which we live. But at least least they proved the point, didn't they? They really did. Could they have done more to actually validate... What is being spoken about in, uh, in, in Perth in, in a couple of weeks' time? I just want Jesus to come now. <laughs> Interesting world in which we live. Um, another story here, of course, uh, while we're talking about heavy stories around the world, violence has broken out on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Um, and this is where Israel's annual Jerusalem Day festivities have clashed with Ramadan and a bunch of um, you know uh, Jewish people, of course, have marched through the Temple Mount. Um, right outside the Al Aqsa Mosque, and uh, you can imagine that um, yeah, it resulted in rubber bullets and tear gas, as those kind of programs usually do. Um, maybe not the wisest time of year to have the annual Jerusalem Day, um, but uh, yeah, there it is: religious tension flaring up, rubber bullets and rocks and tear gas being thrown around. Anyway, that's uh, some of the uh, things that are happening around our world this morning in the religious sphere, and may Jesus come back soon. We're going to move on this morning. Uh, This is the Downing family, and uh, they will be bringing to us the Master's Hand. You're listening to Faith FM.
That was the Downing family with the Master's Hand here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz before we jump to our interview for the day. Yeah, let's see if Lyle can finally get this. Ha! What am I? There are seven of these in the holy place. Lyle's pen is paused. Now he's scribbling. I think he just still doesn't know the answer. Give me. No, he's writing down something wrong. This is so entertaining for me. Give us a call. You can win a copy of 444 Surprising Quotes About the Bible, a treasury of inspiring thoughts and classic quotations. And of course, I'll chuck in a Bible if you can get it before Lyle, which might actually happen this morning because we're up to clue number three. And Lyle still doesn't know the answer. All right, I'm going to come back and do some uh, thinking about that. It is not the <laughs> obvious uh, ob- ob- obvious thing that there are seven of in the holy place. It is something more obscure than that. 
But um, before I do come back to that, we have our interview of the day. And joining us on the show, one of our semi-regulars, is Burrand Neustraten. Burrand, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. Happy to be here. Now, Burrand has been taking us through the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. We have uh, thoroughly enjoyed his insights uh, into creation week and then moving on into really, I guess, Burrand, what is a second creation account in chapter two, but from a different perspective? Correct. That's what it is. And that's all it is. It's not another creation. So it's the same one. Now, last time we chatted, uh, we talked about you know the purpose of creation, the Sabbath, um, the hydrological uh, cycle, pre-flood, and uh, of course the creation of humanity, what we're made of, etc. But yeah. there's another aspect, another another part of creation that comes up in chapter two that, in some circles, is more controversial than the, than the six days of chapter one. And that is the yeah. fact that God, when he created a perfect world, created two very symbolic trees, one called the tree of life, or well, that, that makes sense, but that mm. God created a tree called the knowledge of good and evil that gave access to evil in our world. What's that all about? Well, God is a moral being, as we are, and we live, therefore, in a moral universe. Clearly, the fact that there was a presence of the tree of knowledge of good and evil indicates that evil had occurred, but outside this planet, of course. And the controversy that actually started in heaven must have found place prior to this, because they were really, in a sense, on the probation line. If they obeyed God, they would live forever, and that is still that is still the, the covenant that God has with us. And if they would disobey, well, they would be subject to decay, death, disease, etc. And uh, they were obviously forewarned. Uh, the interesting thing is that they both were in the middle of the garden. Now, uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say necessarily next to each other, but the, the choice between life and death is very close, isn't it? And that's still true today. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. That's uh, I've never actually thought about it from that perspective before, but they um, th- they could well have been side by side, I guess. We don't really know, but they were both in Who the centre of the We group. don't know, yeah. The, the, the question that goes through many many people's minds, and, and I get asked this question quite often, is, uh, is, you know, okay, we understand that evil broke out somewhere else in the universe, yeah. But just because evil exists, why let it come to this earth? Yeah, it uh, was God's design that it shouldn't, but uh, therefore man was well informed and could resist any suggestion to transgress that one singular commandment that God had given, which really is the principle of who is your God. Is it the God of heaven or is it you yourself? And I think that's basically the core of the choices that still prevail today. The reason is that God does not accept any compromise. When he, when he, the Bible says he is love. He looks for a love response. And that response must be voluntary. And I suppose this was one way to extract that voluntary uh, obedience that God was after as an act of love towards him, the giver of life and everything else. So if God had not, you know, planted the tree of, uh, or created the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
if yeah. Satan had not been given access to this world, if yeah. sin had, you know, that, that would have excluded, we, we would think, sin from this earth, a lot of people would say that that would be more loving to do so because then we wouldn't have pain and death. Well, that is true, but you wouldn't have a perfect love, would you? Why is that? A perfect love is a choice. It is a response. It is a relationship. It is an acquaintanceship that goes so deep. Uh, and that's reflected in the one flesh example of the man and the woman. The reality is that God wants our love as a response to his love. As Jesus said, he said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Mm. And I think that is the core essence of the Christian walk. It's not just keeping the commandments. It is really loving him that that becomes a natural desire and expression of our lives. So without the tree of knowledge of good and evil, basically, we'd have no choice. And uh, Correct. W- without choice, there is no love. And Satan would have been the first to charge God that man. Look at the book of Job. He charged God. He said, you put, you put a hedge around him. I can't get to him. Can you see what's happening mm-hmm. there? Mm-hmm. Well, that would have happened, to, of course, in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, you're giving him an unfair advantage. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so these two trees obviously play a very large role in the plan of salvation and particularly in you know, the concept, context of the great controversy that is taking place between yeah. Christ and Satan. Let's talk about the tree of life. What was its purpose? The tree of life had obviously the necessarily ingredients to perpetuate life. We don't know, and the Bible doesn't say, we don't know uh, what the ingredients were. But basically... Men, uh, for to have perpetuity of life, must partake. It's interesting, uh, Lyle, as you know, that in the New Jerusalem, there is a presence of the tree of life of which we will partake. So we, we still, there's a much superior body and a perfect constitution. We still will have to partake of that tree of life. Okay, so then could we conclude that without the tree of life, uh, immortality is not something that is attainable? Nothing is beyond the capacity of God, but I think there is a lesson that is every time that we come and will come in, in the new life to come to the tree of life, we, we can see the physical blessing that God has bestowed. We can see his physical provisions and providence. And I think uh, that reminds us and, and will make us infinitely more grat- grateful for that provision. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to go through the physical thing. And that's how we were designed, that's how we were created, that's the order of creation we are, and that's how God has designed it. Now, there's an inter- and this is just, just skipping ahead to chapter 3 very quickly, I don't want to get too much into chapter 3, but in chapter 3, Adam and Eve are restricted, they are cut off from the Garden of Eden. Uh, yeah. And one of the purposes is so that they cannot eat from the tree of life. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Okay, so let's. Uh, uh, um, um, so, so then, if the conclusion would then be, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, my conclusion would be that even as a sinner, the tree of life could give them immortality. Yeah, it's a physical. God said so because it's a physical, uh, a physical reality. If man kept eating from the tree of life, therefore keeping the access. 
And that is what Satan had in mind, by the way. He wanted a perpetual race. He didn't want the death of Adam and Eve or anybody. He wanted them to just to be subject to him and therefore doing so would eat of the tree of life. And uh, he would build his empire or his kingdom on that. So perpetual that sin, perpetual pain, perpetual suffering was correct. his goal. Uh, correct. Perpetual sinfulness and an accumulation of that sinfulness. Can you imagine what would have happened? Mm, mm. It's an interesting point because there are those who would say that the natural result of sin, you know, without you know, w- without the intervention of God, without you know, just 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 take all of that out of the equation. If a person sins, they are naturally going to die. Um, and that it's impossible for a sinner under any circumstances to continue living, but the tree of life uh, and, and the story associated with that kind of sends it a different direction, doesn't it? Yeah, this, that is, we all think of the expression, the wages of sin is death. Now, that's an eternal death. And, of course, that means you have no access to the tree of life. Um, and, and even you go back to life, but it, that, that access is denied if you're lost. Uh, and and uh, you could uh, initially there was the possibility for a sinner to perpetuate his or her life, but God obviously intervened. That's not what he wanted. Can you imagine, as I said, if you look at the longativity of the antediluvian world and the degree of violence and sin and rebellion that occurred, uh, that would have accumulated so fast, uh, one hate to think what the world would look like if it was still around. Maren, moving on in uh, Chapter 2, we also have the story about the creation of uh, the first woman. Can you take us through that very quickly? Yeah, yeah marvellous. It, it's a wonderful, uh, you could talk about it for a long time, but very briefly, for me, it's always a wonderful thing. You know that she was taken out of the man. It's interesting, while we, uh, we males, we have an X and a Y chromosomes, and the women only have a double X chromosome. And it couldn't have, therefore, along biological rules, could not have happened the other way around. Just a little note of interest. Mm. Uh, okay, so I you couldn't have a woman first and then take... Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, that's no. interesting. Yeah, I've never thought of that yeah, before. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. Mm. But I think here in God, uh, prefigures, obviously. Firstly, there is the, the, the capacity for procreation. We are a unique creation, this, that capacity for procreation. That was God's intent. And so that was his design. So uh, male and female, he created them. And uh, the other thing is that there is a prefiguring or, or an allegory to the relationship that the first Adam, the, Adam, the first Adam, you could say, is the representative of really the, the, the second Adam. The first one failed, but the second one succeeded, of course. Uh, and then the woman is really, again, symbolic of the church, if you like. So there's a marriage between Christ and the church, and he becomes one flesh with that church, which... I think it's so wonderful. You have a reincarnation, oh, no, sorry, not a reincarnation, an incarnation of God becoming man. And that is already prefigured when we come to the conclusion of chapter 2, and a man shall leave his father and his mother and, and cling to, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I think that is really the first proto-evangelism that we may find in the Bible. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Is there significance to why God chose to use a rib when he created the woman? The word selah in the, uh, the, the Assyrian word for, for rib is selah, but the Hebrew word 
a connotation of the Hebrew word is really out of the sight, not confined to a lip. It could be, but it can be just anything out of the sight. More flexible. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, that's 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 interesting. Uh, but why not from like his foot or his head or somewhere like that? Yeah. The idea is that there should be no dominance if it were from the head and there should be no suppression or, or undue uh, dominance if it came lower, say, from the feet. Uh, the, the, the heart is protect, protected by the ribs, the middle of the, the side, and I think that again, there is a very good uh, symbolism as well. She was a helper. Uh, the Hebrew word etzer means uh, that, that that is not a what shall I say a uh, subordinate role. Etzer in the Hebrew is a helper, someone that helps you, uh, which has a very close connection to the Greek parakletos, which is also means helper or comforter, is the thought. Um, so the helper uh, is to be equal, and, and at least to be equal, and that's, I think, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful reality that comes from the early parts of the Book of Genesis. So to stand side by side rather than one on top of the Correct. other. Correct. Yeah. Side by side. Yeah. Okay, so in creation week, then, we really have three different methods of creation. We have God speaking things into existence. We have God creating yeah. the first human out of the dust of the ground, and then the second yeah. human from the first from the first human. What does that tell us about humanity? We're unique. We're in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. That means his design, his, his plans, his his personality expressed in the creation of man. Uh, it's a beautiful thought that we have such a high or, order of origin. Uh, that's where we come from, which is so opposite, of course, to the theory of evolution. Mm. Um, and it has, it, it gives you, um, I suppose, a self-worth which comes from him uh, because we are and can be any one of us, the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I think that's the most important thought that we can uh, bring out this morning. Baron, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure. That was Baron Neustraten once again bringing us a section of uh, the book of uh, Genesis chapter 2 and we'll get to move on to chapter 3 next time that he joins us. Right now we must move on with the, with the show. This is uh, Stones of Eden with Walk Amongst the Trees.
of the unseen world above We're surrounded by His love to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Have you ever been challenged by evolution? Ever struggled to give a reasoned answer for your faith? Or ever felt overwhelmed by the predominance of belief in evolution? Then you need to be at the 2019 Faith and Science Conference. 13 top-level scientists and professors from around the world will be presenting on the most astounding discoveries, completely refuting the theory of evolution. July 16 to 19, Avondale College, Kurumbong, New South Wales. For details, call us now on 1-800-324-843. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Be all glory and honor. 
Forevermore.